Hey everybody, this is Rich from the Metal Set Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Keith Fay of CrewCon. How the hell are you, man? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, let's pretend we weren't talking for the last half nah. hour. This nah, is... nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Salute, man, and thanks a million for coming on the show. Just on the coffee in a Harry Potter mode, of course. Ah, yes, very good. So, how are things with you? How's the health? How's the head? Everything good with you? Yeah, everything's great. I can't complain. Headspace is fantastic. Good, good. That's um, good to hear. Fitness. Keep your fitness up, everybody. I keep mm-hmm. my fitness going. I'm cutting down on the alcohol, but not cutting it out. Never cut it out, kids. But Actually, that, did you see Gary Holt has decided to stop drinking? Really? Mm. I, I saw his post on Instagram there the other day. Now, he made some great points. There's no doubt about it, man. He's been on that scene partying for such a long yeah, time. Yeah. So makes sense for him to kind of go up look and he got great support as well you know yeah now i have i, I mean i became re- regimental whereas like i have to have a drink on a friday night and i have to have a drink on a saturday night or else the weekend sucks yes so i'm starting to get out of that headspace where no you, you don't I, i'm nowhere near alcoholic i don't have any drink yeah, issues yeah. i'm just become so into my health and fitness where i'm conscious like well if i have six beers tonight i'm going to need to run an extra five or 10k next week so I'm just trying to balance the fitness with, with like having fun. Like I still plan when we go out on tour to have beers and party and have the crack. Mm. But yeah, my fitness has become, oh, especially over the pandemic, I've really, really just doubled down on becoming healthy and fit and healthy, which is. Yeah. And probably a lot of us went the other way as well. <laughs> and that's exact, exactly it. Because when I lost my access to the gym, I was like, I just didn't fancy running out on the street in the parks. And now here I am a year and a half later. I'll run every single week, 5K, three times a week. What no part problem. of Dublin are you in, Keith? I'm in Tala, so it's kind of the okay. state. Just where okay. the, the, the mountains plenty of, begin. Plenty of space out that direction. Yeah, there is. There is. It's not too bad. And is there cycle lanes now straight into Dublin city centre? There is, yeah. So I'm, as I said, yeah, I'm planning to go back to my office, my day job. I mean, my, I, my day job hasn't been affected. I've been working from home without any issues, mm. but... Normally, I'd cycle into work, which is a, about 12K in, 12K back, doing that nice. five days a week. That's going to be reduced now. I think I'll be working from home maybe two days a week, but I'm looking forward to get back on the book, the, the bike tomorrow, yeah. and it cycle ends all the way in and out. It's fantastic. And meeting people as well. Oh, my God. I mean, I know tomorrow there's, what, there's probably six of us in the office, but like... But still, you'll have the chats oh, and stuff, man. Can't wait, yeah. And, so- it, you know, it's a... Again, mental health and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It has been tough. I live alone, so it's just me here Monday to Friday. Oh, really? I mean, okay. Yeah. Now, I have my kids at the weekend. I'm, we've been meeting up for our band practices since mm. the travel ban. The 5K was lifted. Uh, my brother just lives across the road. I've got people close by. I'm yeah. actually luckier than a lot of people, but most okay. of the time during the working hours, I'm just here on my laptop working away without yeah. a sinner in sight. Oh, Jesus, that's hard, man. I, yeah, uh, obviously, it has been. <laughs> you know, it has its advantages sometimes, but I, you know, you kind of need a lot of distractions as well. Well, that's it. I, I remember at one point I put a post up on my Facebook, and look, I've never suffered with depression or mm. mental health issues. I know a lot of people have, and mm. it's it's great to see the support that's out there. I did put up one post saying, "Geez, I'm feeling it tonight." You know, home alone after so many weeks in the pandemic. And, and it wasn't it wasn't a cry for help. It wasn't looking for sympathy. And I tell you, I didn't get any sympathy. It was just, you but know, you people, didn't get people going, checking image, man. Yeah. No, but the, the thing was, there were people like, oh, my God, I wish I was at home alone. My kids are driving <laughs> me insane. You know, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, one know, cool thing about the lifting of uh, the lockdown was the cinemas were open and I went in to see the Phil Linnett movie uh, last night. Have you seen it like? yet? No, I went, I brought my kids to see Cruella at the weekend. I fell out. Oh, yeah, I was that's the big one, isn't it? So looking forward to it. And it was a big day. I can't wait for this. We got the popcorn. Within an hour, I was out cold asleep. That's the whole thing. And my daughter was like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, that's fine. But I seen the ads for the uh, Phil movie um, and I heard the reviews. So I, I can't wait to check that out. What did you think? I loved it. I thought it was just nice. so beautifully shot. And like, if you think about it, I suppose there, there would be a bit of criticism because I've just read mm. everything on Tin Lizzy and there's no nothing new in it so far yeah. as like new relevations about Phil or whatever. But what I liked was the, that his ex-wife was talking and his daughters and just the way the, I can't remember the woman's name. She directed it, but just the way she did it, which is kind of a lot of dark alleys with lights and old footage meshed into new footage. It's just really tastefully done. And uh, yeah, it's a lovely homage to the man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I played Leyendas del Rock, the, the, that big metal festival in Spain. And, you know, Tin Lizzy were one of the headliners there. And I remember being quite cynical. It's the, is it, Brian Goran, Scott Goran, geez, I can never remember oh, the name. Scott, yeah. Scott Goran. So he's still, he plays with Black Star Riders. Mm. And what I hear is occasionally they'll just be the same band and they'll put up the Tin Lizzy logos. Now they had guest drummer from Judas Priest, someone from Machine Head, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Check them out. A little bit cynical. Mm. I loved it. I loved it. I was like, this is incredible. Okay, I get it's the guy from the Almighty. Can't remember his name, but oh, Ricky, Ricky something. Warwick. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I, I've listened to the Almighty, and like, well, you're doing the Phil Lynott impression. Like, this is your whole career. You're actually doing an impersonation, mm. but it's great. Like, yeah. I hate, to, I hate that to be my career. What I'm known for, having to, to mm. you know, always do a cover band type of thing. But I tell you, oh, oh my God, Richie, I was just like. Like a, a kid, like this is brilliant. It's emerald and uh, oh man, I loved it. And he loved is it. actually one of the main stars of the movie. Oh really? What's his name? Scott Gorm. Like he carries a lot of the oh, okay. The kind of I suppose frustration near the end, you know, where things weren't right with Phil health wise and stuff. But there was a scene in it and whiskey in the jar. Okay, and it's relevant to you and your band that they decided to cover a traditional Irish song, which, you know, mm. is from the Dubliners. And that was their hit like because they'd moved to London at the time. And uh, I suppose their friends were still back in Dublin and all the friends are going, what the hell are they covering the Dubliners <laughs> for? Because yeah. that was the last thing they expected. And of course, it became a huge hit. And naturally enough, then, Later on in life, it shows Phil going, fucking hell, don't, please don't ask me to play Whiskey in the Jar. You know, about one of the gigs, what do you want to hear? And they're all showing yeah, up Whiskey yeah. in the Jar and he's just going, mm, God, I'm sick of playing it. And I thought of ye with Ride On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah, does that absolutely. feel? Like, I mean, I know well, it's a fan favourite and stuff, but I mean, and you've done it. Um, what's the, 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 the ballad stuff? The ballad sessions yeah, as well, yeah. yeah. Now we do the, the proper ballad version. Now, mm. I mean, the difference between Tin Lizzy and us, Tin Lizzy were well-respected in their home country for what they did. We've struggled all through our career. And I think it's because they were borderline hard rock crossing over into heavy metal. Like, they have some... You know, mm. metal tracks but ultimately they're a rock band and that was fine a completely different 
type of people back in the late, well, when they had their fan base. But when I was getting into metal, making Cruelcon, you know, where Metallica Slayer was the lowest, the least heavy type of band. Tin Lizzy were a bit weak. So yeah. they're a different type of fan and they didn't really like what we were doing at all. It was just, everyone was so pure back in the early 90s, like a yeah. tin whistle in, in a heavy metal band. That's fucking ridiculous, ridiculous. Mm. So our fan base has always been outside Ireland. We'd play to, te- you know, we, we did a headline show, Cruelcon, we're the top act. We played to 10,000 people in Russia that bought tickets to come see us. And we'd come back to Ireland. We struggled to get maybe 80 people in the Rock Garden, Eamon Doran's. Now, over the last 10 years, that's completely gone. To, like, Crocon just skyrocketed, became very popular in Ireland and elsewhere. But getting back to your point, um, right on. Uh, I mean, it was my choice to do that song because I love mm. the song. Yeah. I still love the song. Okay. Uh, I love seeing people's reaction to it. I love going on YouTube and people saying, right on Crocon cover, oblivious to the fact that Jimmy McCarthy wrote it, Christy Moore <laughs> made it famous. Everyone yeah. around the world thinks it's a Cruelcon song. I've seen lots of videos of, of diff- weddings around the world where that's the wedding song that they chose to play on their wedding day. Yeah. And when I play that live, even to this day, I still look at people's reaction to it and I love it. Like mm. I'll never not play it, but I oh, get pissed off playing the same fucking song though, don't you? Yeah, no. that's it. Like, I mean, you become a bit <laughs> cynical about it. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately when you're playing it and there's like fucking a thousand people or whatever singing yeah. it back to you, that's, that's where it becomes special, you know, and that's, and that, that's, that's it. And we've used it, you know, we've changed it up over the years. We've sped it up. We, we have a big encore now at the end. That's not on the album. And it's the one song where we used to always get a guest female vocalist up on stage. And that was amazing. We put these mm. little competitions out on our Facebook or whatever it was back then. We get tons of auditions to sing with Cruelcon. It was it was like the Cruelcon X Factor. It was amazing. <laughs> but it, it, that, that also became a pain in the ass. There was an expectation. Cruelcon are coming. I wonder who they'll get to sing. I was like, oh, fuck, fuck this. So that stopped. But now and again, I will get someone up on stage to sing it. So we definitely keep it interesting. But I absolutely know where Phil was coming from. It's like, oh. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like a contractual obligation now that we have at, to at play right on. It's yeah, like, yeah, if they don't yeah, play yeah. that fucking song. And I remember back back in 1990 when we were in a covers band and um, we decided to do Ride On. And it works out really well uh, as a rock song. I mean, Orwin, it seemed like Neil Young had recorded it. <laughs> that was the way we played it. You yeah. know? So I can see how it would translate to a lot of different um, bands playing it, be it rock, metal, folk, yeah. whatever like that. So in relation to your band then, Keith, you've had a few lineup changes. So what is the current lineup now? I don't know. <laughs> Can you Google it and tell me? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the last year has been tumultuous, would be a, a nice word to describe it. Um, the beginning of 2020, we were on 70,000 tons of metal stable lineup oh my god the ultimate ultimate festival and to play it twice and when we played it last year in 2020 we did three gigs like we broke that kind of area that nobody else gets to do anyway um we had uh, rustam on bass he was in for a year it just wasn't working out there was differences of of opinions and and you know i think it's a meant not a mentality thing it's just the irish way versus Russam is very Russian. 
and you know he wouldn't be into the partying and not that we party fucking like we're pretty normal it's just he was on a different kind of wavelength to us okay. it just didn't work out mm-hmm. so that was fine and we brought in joe farrell the longtime drummer of crew and that was brilliant to have joe i've been trying to get joe back into the band for years but he stopped playing drums he it didn't work out on guitar when we had a guitarist position so joe came in around that time mero and his family decided to move to sweden it's a big life uh, changing thing that's happening and look we discussed the possibility of him staying in the band uh, at one point john ryan lived in australia for two years and we made yeah. it work he'd fly yeah, back and forth and, yeah and he'd meet us wherever for whatever festival but with a drummer that is just not going to happen if you don't have a drummer in the country you're not going to rehearse you're not going it, to it's just not going to happen a shortage of them. yeah so we decided yeah it's not going to happen and with all mutual happiness and respect like mm. we, we we all love each other so Mero left we started advertising for a new drummer um, which was and we got a ton of fucking applications and it just shows where the band is now versus 10 years ago looking for a drummer you'd be like what not a hope we got applications from um, people in like bands in the US Powerglove the Nintendo metal band like hey you have to look to join you're in the US and then Tom got in touch and I know Tom from meeting up in different festivals around the world so I didn't know him well I didn't know mm-hmm. him well enough to kind of go Tom cool guy get him in uh, I had a chat with John Ryan it was still in the band. I said, like, Tom from Sora, is he okay? Is he? <laughs> I think John said, yeah, he's the, the most, what's it? Oh, I have to be careful what I say here, but he's the most level-headed of everyone in Zora. He's very professional. Not that the, the guys aren't professional, yeah, yeah. but Tom is just very professional, drums, you know, the, the, the music comes first and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, I, and that's great. That's the type of person you want to yeah. be a drummer because drummers are usually the opposite. Not that Mero was. Uh, so I met with Tom and he's a fucking fantastic drummer as well. So I was like, yeah, great fit. So and he came in in the middle of COVID. So we didn't have any chance to rehearse with him. Um, and while all this was going on, we recorded our first single for Despot's Records, The Hawthorne. And uh, the plan was to get an album out a year ago, but COVID hit, we couldn't rehearse. So Despots were saying, well, what about a single from the new album? So we worked on that. And that just stirred up other things that were going on with Kieran, the, the guitarist, and John Ryan, the violin player. Now, Kieran had had a few over the years. It was a, he just felt like he's had enough. He's probably going to leave. I got that impression a few times. So it wasn't too much of a surprise, but John Ryan was a surprise. Uh, I didn't expect that at all. And it came from the kind of the creative process in the Hawthorne. Like, Kruokon has always been like Keith Faye, the leader, the main songwriter. And it's always been like that. It always will be like that. And there was never an issue with that. I think John just seen if he wants that kind of full creative freedom where he's the, the kind of uh, main musical decision maker, he wasn't going to get that in Kruokon. Yeah. Uh, plus, he had like he had a few other um, just kind of realizations during the pandemic of what's important versus what's not important. And he made that decision Mm. to leave. Now we're all still good friends. Myself and John Ryan have actually started working on a completely different project Cool. um, where we're equally contributing. There's no one, which is great. It's it's great for me as well. Yeah, it is. And he's a great violin player. Mm. So and a a top dude. And a top dude. And that's the, yeah. the last thing I'd want is to have one of those horrible, someone's leaving a band and you fall out with them and you don't speak to them. I'm glad it's yeah. the opposite. It's a completely respectful, this isn't working out because X, Y, Z. Well, yeah. 
Absolutely. And then like mm. a few months later, do you fancy doing something on the side here? <laughs> so we're working with a singer in Cork, Nella. She's an amazing vocalist. Oh. Uh, and it's going to be very uh, tribal kind of neo-folk stuff, no metal or rock. Interesting. But very early days, still yep. trying to work out how we can actually do this. But okay. so that's where all the lineup, that's where the people left. So we got Tom in, we got Joe in. Then I advertised for a second guitarist and a violin player and Again, I was worried about the violin player, like, fuck, this is going to be tough. But I got a ton of people emailing, which was amazing. And Audrey, who came in on violin, sent me a few tracks that were playing um, from, from YouTube. And I just watched them. I was like, and I was like, it's just virtuoso kind of stuff. She was like all over the place. I'm like, wow. What kind of music was she sending you? Uh, mainly just diddly eye stuff in okay. trad, trad sessions. But it turns out she's a music teacher. She teaches classical violin and, and ah, folk. Folk. But see, I'm like, this holy is great. shit. Yeah. yeah, I can't mm. believe my look here. So met with her, boom, in straight away. She's into metal as well. So I'm like, oh, this is fucking fantastic. I can't believe my look. Yeah. And Dave from Celticore, I actually, I didn't advertise the second guitar position. I went to Dave because uh, I know him. He can play guitar and he's a nice guy. And I just have so many people coming in at the same time. I don't want another brand new face that have to, yeah. not that it's a bad thing, but you know, I mean, it's, no, it's yeah. tough. It's tough when one person joins a band and all your focus is on getting them up to speed. But when four people at That's the same time, man. I was, I mean, a lot of people would probably just packed it in and say, oh, fuck this, but I, there's no way I was going to do that with Cruicon. And you know, the pandemic, uh, as strange as it is to say, it really couldn't have come at a better time for us to get all this shit store, sorted, get the new members in, start rehearsing yeah. the live set. We've been rehearsing in the house since the 5K was lifted. Tom, before the rehearsals we're doing now, had done one rehearsal in a year with us. Mm. We were like, Tommy's still there. Yeah, I'm still here. How far down the line were the songs that um, you were composing? So you don't have the name, but how many was yeah. there? How far developed were they at that stage? We'd only just started rehearsing them. So we'd only about four or five written. Four or pro- five, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then it was just this year. I had so many parts. Like I, I just write all the time. I constantly have mm. my phone. I constantly just always have an idea. I need to pick up an instrument, whatever's close to me, get that down. Yeah. And since January, I just started locking everything down okay. into a kind of a tangible album. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the whole new album is fully written. Uh, we started back rehearsals in, in a studio two weeks ago. And I was so nervous about it because... <laughs> Uh, a second rehearsal with Tom. The first one wasn't great because we were all like, yeah, of how, course, how yeah. do we do this? But I think the, during the pandemic, the amount of rehearsals in the house with Dave and Joe and Audrey, weeks and weeks and weeks, sending messages to Tom, another great rehearsal. And Tom's like, oh, I'm sure it was. I'll yeah. hear it one day. Then we finally got in two weeks ago, first rehearsal, and we fucking nailed it. I just couldn't believe it. I said to Joe driving in and says, I'm excited about tonight's rehearsal. I'm also so fucking anxious about it. Like, mm. and I, I remember saying, we'll focus on two or three songs. We'll just get them tight. We'll, we'll, we'll go over the bits, fix them up. Boom. We went through the entire 15 song set from start to finish. A few little fluffs here and there, but yeah. I was like, I just kept, oh. I, I kept applauding everyone. Fucking amazing. Uh, fucking yeah. Tom, Tom, you're amazing. Like Tom's throwing in a few little new bits here, making some of the songs his own. I'm like, that's fucking one or two yeah. are a bit like, what the fuck are you doing? But no, but that's Tom though. That's yeah. Tom. Yeah. No, it's brilliant. It's good that he can offer that part as well, that he, he just won't slot in and just 
play with what you want. He'll he'll, he'll give you more ideas and yeah. freshen st- stuff up. Yeah, as well. yeah. And I see that. I see that after the first two rehearsals, and mm. I'm like just constantly like fucking yeah. Whatever you just did there, that's fucking brilliant. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna play a song. It's from Blood for the Blood God, and uh, bring back an old memory. You can tell me your thoughts about it when I play it. And it's called The Marching Song of Fiuk Macu. just makes me want to get back on stage <laughs> now can Audrey sing um 
I don't know. Have you explored that option? No, no. I think she can. We were actually, we went, we had a night out in December just before the big lockdown. And yeah, I think she does. She does. I think, I don't know. Hmm. It's an interesting bonus, maybe. If, if yeah, she could. absolutely. Because there's a few, there's a few bits like that where we could yeah. definitely bring in a few guest vocals. Yeah. I don't know, guess vocals have Audrey kind of cover, but still the likes of Ride On, I'd still be bringing in, you know, some kind of... I'm glad you actually yeah. brought up guest vocals. Is there anyone planned for the new album? To yeah. Make oh an my, appearance? Yeah. So Kim Dilla is the former singer for Gwar. Like she's been filling in on stage, course, doing a yeah. lot of that. Um, she sang in 70,000 Tons of Metal for us, for the likes of Ride On, a few others. Mm. And we're hoping she'll be coming over for a crew of fest when that's rescheduled, hopefully okay. to November. Um, so she was always going to sing on the, on the new album. And technically she has, because the Hawthorne is a part of the next yes. album. And, you know, Great. it hasn't been physically released yet. That will be its physical release, mm-hmm. final CD, all that kind of shit. Uh, I'm go- Nella from Cork, who I'm in mm-hmm. a, another project with. Like, she's an amazing vocalist. If anyone hasn't heard Nella, you should check out the World of Warcraft soundtrack. She sang on the soundtrack. She played with video games live. The song is called Canticle of Sacrifice. It's amazing. I can't okay. recommend it enough. Cool. And then one of my absolute fucking heroes, like one of my favorite death metal bands from the late 80s, early 90s, still going today. I watched them live in 70,000 Tons of Metal and I was like, ah, Kelly Schaefer from Atheist will be guesting what? on one of their songs. <laughs> Is this an exclusive? Uh, I think I said it. No, I said Fuck. it on the 70,000 Tons Beach Party. Okay. I mean, it's an Irish exclusive. <laughs> I guess there you nobody, go, man. nobody was tuned into that. That is so cool. And I saw, oh, oh, and uh, Stu, the guitarist from Venom, will be doing some guest guitar solos nice. on the song. For us, nice. so. Yeah, a few uh, guests. Don't want to go overboard with the guests. Mm. Then it kind of ruins the whole fucking flow of the album yeah. but Kelly Schaefer like I'm atheist at one of my favourite bands of all time that's ridiculous so. man piece of time wow oh fuck me Just that's unreal. great news let's talk a small bit about producers over the years with you I know <laughs> there's yeah I know there's, there's um, a few ones that are just fucking probably pain in the head to even think about um, Michael Richards was involved with the Hawthorne yeah correct yeah, yeah. Well, I, actually, our last three albums, Michael yeah. did. So, so that's what I'm wondering. Um, is he involved in the new one? Uh, he will be. Okay. Um, so, I to mean, some degree, or I, I, I want to go back and do the whole thing in track mix. It's just it's Brilliant. so comfortable. It's um, he has the best equipment. And look, I'm not even speaking about his ability. I'm talking about his equipment is okay. fucking amazing. I don't even need to worry about guitars, drums, you name it. And the guy is incredible. He just yeah. he just gets us. It's it's so why change? That's yeah, what yeah. I wanted to know. That's good news straight and away. It, it's a pleasure going there. I mean, mm. I, I know it's a nightmare for him. Like <laughs> he doesn't deal with a band like us at all in any way form. Like I know we were hitting a couple of hundred tracks in the last album, Nine Years of Blood. One of the songs was hitting hundreds. Like I think he said it was like eight hundred tracks. Now, that's not what? like 800 different instruments. That's like you've, you've your guitar, you have the reverb on the guitar as a second mm. track. You have the, 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 something is done to that reverb. That's another track. So okay. all that. But it is the instruments. Like John on violin would rock in with 20 to 25 violin tracks, cellos, 
harmonies and stuff. Okay, but we've done it with them so many times. It's just like, I hate the thoughts of going somewhere else. Now, having said that, a record label, Despots, have said they'll fly us to Florida. They'll fucking bring us to Germany to work with this mad producer, yeah. this exciting producer. Now you know why I'm asking you, man. Yeah. I'm putting I'm on like, the spot here. As well as that, the record label that you're signed with now. Uh, where are they from? Where are they Sweden. 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 They're like the number okay. one biggest rock, metal, singer, songwriter label in Sweden. They're fucking huge. I never heard mm. of them before. I kind of got... Yeah, I think we need a better record label. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to Trollzorn. Trollzorn have been amazing, yeah, but yeah. we've just seen some um, distribution issues that we want. Like we just in Crewcon, we're going a little bit up again, and we wanted the label to kind of to kind of reflect help that, us basically. Yeah. So checked out a few different labels. Like who the fuck are Despots? Check them out. Checked out Omer, the very entrepreneurial guy that runs the record label. It's like wow, yeah, okay. Mm. Like some of their bands are on their music is in Netflix TV shows at the moment. Like yeah. yeah. That'll do. Okay, mm. where do I sign? Um, they're in the process right now of buying the Cruelcon back catalogue off Hammerheart oh, Records. That's great news, man. Re-releasing them because people are, for years are crying out, where's the physical CDs, the physical mm. vinyl? I, I've, I've no fuck, I don't own them, Hammerheart Records. Yeah. Nothing to do with me. So that is amazing. I'm really happy about that. So there's a bit of a, a conflict there. Like, well, the other option is, is work with Michael and get it mastered. To be honest, uh, I guess you reach a certain age where like flying to Florida becomes a pain in the hole rather yes. than I'd love to do that. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, that that's... Keith 10 years ago would have done it. Like, Yeah. And the prestige, course. and look, it looks great for the reputation mm. of the band we're recording in Florida. Don't get me wrong. I'd love that headline, but I just couldn't be arsed. I, yeah. I, I want to go to Florida to play 70,000 tons of metal. That, <laughs> that I'll happily do. But recording an album for two or three weeks, flying over there, things are going wrong. And the producer struggling with the amount of, as you said, the amount and of stuff. And a new producer. That... Oh, man. And, you know, I love, like we record in Blanchardstown, which is like 15, mm. 10, 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. We finish up at eight o'clock and I'll just drive home and watch TV. It's, yeah. it's But see, Keith, perfect. that comes with experience, man. You've been on it long enough now to kind of make probably a sensible decision. Well, that's it. Yeah. Fucking 30 year anniversary is next yeah. year. Like, so there you go, man. Um, yeah, I just want to touch also like Shane McGowan was involved Another with producer. G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How oh, did man. that come about, man? Uh, oh, what a period of our history. <laughs> like, that is amazing. Like, I, I look back on that period with such fond memories, and now it's like, what that's hitting 20 years ago. Oh, wow, to this day, I've still got all the newspaper clippings. We were in every Irish newspaper you can think of. Shane turns heavy metal. I still have the <laughs> newspapers upstairs. And Do you know what? Send them on to me, actually, please, for the show as well. I will. I'll root them out. I, I yeah. rooted them out recently. I did a, a, my own video for Ride On. I stuck them all at the end in a little mm. kind of compilation. Nice. But I'll hold just to that. With no problem. No problem. Yeah. So we had a manager back then, Patter Gaffney. Uh, and he worked for MCD and he was just in the click with all musicians. He knew Shane very well. He knew his manager very well. I mean, like I have a Bowron upstairs that belonged to the cores. It was left on Metallica's tour bus when Metallica played here. So like 20 fucking years ago, he was driving nice. around. Like it was an amazing period. We were rehearsing alongside Daniel O'Donnell in, in fucking a studio in town. <laughs> just mad shit like that kept happening. And then we said it to him about getting Shane as just a, a guest vocalist. It'd be great for the fucking the, the, 
the prestige of the band. I'm sure there's a better word than prestige. I just can't think of it. Profile. Profile, yeah. Profile the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, yeah, leave it with me. So in the end, he got him as a producer. So Shane was in Sun Studios in, in Dublin City Centre for two weeks working with us with, uh, oh, Jesus, what's the name? The, I can't remember the name of the fucking, the, the actual engineer who, Dennis Buckley, Dennis Buckley. He produced oh, okay. The Middle Kingdom and he was engineer with Shane McGowan on Folklore. Now, Shane, as a producer, he's not sitting at the mixing desk. He's sitting on the couches with us. Dennis is ultimately doing everything. But Shane would be like, no, you got to do this. And you do that again. And like, that's crap. And it was fucking mad. It, it sounds mad. And like, like, I'm just thinking of the Chucky or Law story that you've nobody's go probably on, ever heard. Tell us, of. man, because we don't know, oh, you know. In the song Bloody Sunday uh, on the Folklore album, there's mm. a bit where it goes from Bloody Sunday into a part called the Victory Reel. And it goes... Yes. Like the last line, it, the Bloody Sunday, it's a contentious issue and mm. we're, we're in no way rat heads or anything like that. But the last yeah. line of that song is Our Day Will Come Again, yeah. which is the English translation for Chucky or Law. Mm. And as it broke into the trad bit, I was in doing the vocals and I just screamed, Chucky or Law. And Shane again was like, that's the best Chucky or Law I've ever heard in my fucking life. And we came in, we were listening to it, it was great. And John Clossy, our bass player, said, seriously, Keith, if that goes on the album, I'm leaving the band. <laughs> and like, then we were like, yeah, we can't really put that on. It's a bit too fucking... Yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah I know, I understand. Yeah. So we, we took it off. We didn't even tell Shane. And I remember we were out in Bloom's Hotel having a drink and he cracked a joke about doing things behind producers' backs. And we were like, ah, yeah, like let's take it off the chuckier law that you love. And he was like, you fucking take that off, did you? And I was like, oh. no, he wasn't even, he was seriously pissed off and angry. He was like, oh shit. But he'd forgotten about it by the next morning. So it was okay. How was he as a person? Because I mean, I know there's a perception of him out there that like he's incapacitated a lot of the time or incoherent. And yeah, yeah. how did you find him? Well, 20 years ago, he wasn't yeah. as bad exactly, as he is yeah. now. And I, you know, I don't mean to say as bad, but he clearly no, no, has a, a problem with drink. There's no, no question. Yeah. Um, I seen him like, twice. Was he able to give you some great insights? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was. Okay, he was. That's he was fucking yeah. fantastic. And mm. like, he was drunk a lot. Like, we'd be in the recording studio and it's hitting three o'clock in the afternoon. We're like, where the fuck is our producer? And we'd every day hear the clink of the bottles of vodka in his bag. Oh, he's coming. Yeah. Um, there was a few, but there was a few times where I seen him stone cold sober and he was fucking just it, strange, but he was, he's a beautiful person, yeah. a lovely guy to speak to. He has his demons with alcohol, but you know, people said he's going to be, he won't be around for fucking much longer. And, and he is for 50 years, yeah. but, um, and what a legacy. I mean, absolutely. That's, that's what he like, has, man. We, uh, like we got him to sing two songs. He was to sing a toured song, but he got, he fucking drank literally a pint, literally a pint of vodka with some peach snaps as a mixer. And we were like, oh, what the fuck? So he was to do Rocky Road to Dublin. He, co- he couldn't do yeah. it in the end. So even Shane McGowan reaches a pint of like, well, I'm fucking drunk. Mm-hmm. I- I'm done. But then some nights we'd go out to Bloom's hotel with him after the session. And he just chat about, his experiences and stuff. There was that recent documentary about Shane McGowan. I could, everything was, that was being said, I'm like, oh my God, I, I heard this story fucking 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like we were in Bloom's Hotel and people were saying, oh, Shane, oh, you fucking legend and all this kind of stuff. Like mm. the, res- the respect and also the kind of, 
uh, just a, you know, he's a one of a, he's an alcoholic druggie. Yeah. That kind of thing. I didn't like that side of it because he is actually a really nice fucking very articulate person. One of those days when he didn't show up to the studio, we needed his opinion on something. I can't remember what it was. We went across the Bloom's hotel uh, this is about five o'clock in the evening, went upstairs. He was flat. They, the hotel let us in. They knew he was working with us, went up to the hotel room. He's just, you know, unconscious on the bed, but like a scene from a fucking movie, there was just sheets of lyrics that he'd been writing, you know, just poetry Fuck. flowing out of him. I was like, this is fucking yeah. rot steal mm. them. And yeah, that was, it was just a mad fucking time. Two weeks with Shane McGowan. That should be a fucking documentary in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I presume anybody that met him um, will always have their own kind of story about him. Like yeah. I actually met him in my own hometown in Yall and it was bizarre, the whole situation, because he was in Yall for a wedding. Mm. And the previous week I was listening to Metallica on a wall in sunshine, trying to impress a few girls across the way. <laughs> and we did the twin deck on, man, everything was cool. And this little dot appeared in the horizon, you see? And it started getting closer to me and I was going, what the fuck is this dot like? And it got closer and closer and it was this bumblebee, right? And I tried to swat it, right? And the bumblebee hit me directly in the forehead, right? I lost my balance, fell (laughs) backwards off the wall and broke my arm in two places. Oh my Jesus Christ. What's this got to do with Shane McGowan, you're asking, right? (laughs) So... Three days later, anyway, I'm up to my shoulder in a plaster of Paris and Megadeth are playing up in Dublin with Alison James. With my left hand, I spend hours upon hours uh, doing this detailed Megadeth logo on my plaster of Paris. Perfect, coloured in, everything was beautiful. We're down the day before the Megadeth concert and we hear Shane McGowan is around the hotel and you all, we're all... Going, Jesus, imagine meeting Shane, you know? Because I think no matter what kind of form of music you're in, if you know the poems, you've respect for them. Yeah. And I certainly course. loved loved all their stuff anyway, so it didn't matter to me and, the, and his punk attitude as well. But sure enough, Oli came anyway, and I, and I had a mark already. He goes, Shane, any chance you'd sign the plaster of Paris? And he looked at Megadeth and he goes, a load of shit. I'm not signing nothing on Megadeth, fuck's sake. And I goes, what about on that side? It's blank. Oh, yeah, no problem. Wow, for fuck's <laughs> sake. that there, man, and just staggered off to, into the distance, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, he, he was some character. We play, Around that time, we played a few concerts with him. It was Cruelcon, Sport and Shane and the Popes. Oh, and, the Popes uh, were his band. Yeah, yeah that's after right. the Popes. And they were fucking great. Um, but we always had a half an hour slot before them. And we were like on schedule. We were perfect. But like it'd be hours before he'd turn up. But we were like, you have to end. Like you're, it's over. And like, he's clearly not here. We can do another half an hour. They're, the crowd, yeah. we, the Olympia Theatre in Dublin, like the crowd are fucking going crazy. We're mm. doing our most diddly eye songs for them. Yeah, but no, no, no. And then two hours later, we're in the crowd like, ah, this is ridiculous. It's 12 o'clock now and there's no yeah, sign of him. Fuck's sake. Like, there was yeah. a period when he was renowned, very well known for that happening. I went to see him once a few years later. He was in a wheelchair in the Olympia and he got sick on himself. And I remember people kind of, oh, Jesus, he needs to sort himself out mm-hmm. now. 
He didn't. Continued. <laughs> no more than Phil Lynette, no more than Paul McGrath as well. They all had their demons, but mm. ultimately they were geniuses at what they did. Absolutely, do. yeah. You know? And there's no doubt about it. He's a fucking genius. He really is. The songs that he has written are just... Ah, uh, yeah. They're, they're, the oh. legacy is there, man. Yeah. Um, really I just is. want to talk to you as well about artwork for all your album covers. Like, they are absolutely fabulous things of beauty individually. Like, what informed your opinions on cover art? Uh, so that's an interesting story. So most of the early albums were done by my brother, John, yes. the flute player. So he was yeah. in Crocon for a good few years and we had fights. He was kicked out and brought back in like fucking countless times. I think, although it's not officially said, I think he was kicked out of Crocon <laughs> 15 times in our history. But, um, and he's still involved. I still get him in, you know, to play on stage. He'll play at the Dublin gig. He'll go up for a, a tin whistle kind of thing. But he is an amazing artist. He's mm. one of the best, most talented and gifted artists I've ever met in real life. And I've met some amazing fucking guys. But he's always just either had bad luck, not things haven't gone the way he's, he's planned, um, or he just hasn't had the fucking motivation or the ambition to actually go do something with it. That, okay. That's another side of it. But he's working on some incredible pieces at the moment with a professor from the US. Uh, he's 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 trans. He's fixing up a lot of Book of Kells style artwork in okay. ancient texts, and he's doing properly realized versions of them in an wow. academic book that will be published. And um, he was talking with uh, Thomas Kinsley, the poet, who was like fucking ninety two years old. He, he who, who translated the time. He was in touch with him about doing a fully realized artistic version of the time from his official translation, an official Thomas Kinsel, a sanctioned piece of work. Thomas literally two months ago said it wasn't into the idea. So I'm not sure if that's going to go ahead okay. or not. I mean, it is still a public domain in Irish, in Gaelic, mm. not in English. Yeah, yeah. But he's got some great things in the in the, in the uh, pipeline. But he did most of our album covers. He is just fucking incredible. And even when he was no longer a member of the band, he's, oh no, he was still in the band for Blood for the Blood God. He did that cool skull yeah. uh, cover. In between that, we had the Pagan album, and that was interesting. That was painted by John Howe, the amazing Lord of the Rings artist, who's the kind of main um, conceptual artist on all the movies. Him oh. and Alan Lee did all the... Like, he personally designed what orcs look like in those movies. Fuck me. He's in a lot of books. If you look, pick up a Lord of the Rings book in Eason's, the cover will either be done by Alan, Alan Lee or John Howe. Wow. So he did that cover for us, which is called Pagan. Uh, oh no, I can't remember what it's actually called. Or at the album's called Pagan. Pagan, but, yeah. Um, he's from Switzerland. He, he was a fan of Crew, is a fan of Crucon. And his son, who was a kid back then, has grown up. I know he's a fucking fan of Crucon, which is great. But with John getting back into the band, we, we didn't use him on the next covers. Uh, the last cover we worked with was it Morgan's Call. The Morgan's Call, yeah, he did that as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And he has an Etsy shop as well where he sells prints of the Krulkon artwork and his own artwork. So it's worth checking out. Yes. Uh, the last album was done by Jesus Daniel Durbeck. Uh, okay. And that was kind of just working with the record label, their in house mm. artists, this type okay. of thing. Okay. We got another guy that we're working with that was recommended to us by Despots Records. Uh, so he designed that beautiful illustration for the Hawthorne, which I thought was incredible. It's a totally different art style for us. I thought yeah. this is great. So we're actually going to stick with that guy. And you know, I can't remember the fucking guy's name. I, I haven't dealt with him in over a year. 
and his name has just gone out of my head, but we're going to work with him. <laughs> the guy, I can't remember how insulting, but we're going to work with him for future albums, single artwork. Aldo it's- Salas. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aldo. Yeah, he's... I do my research, man. Thank you. <laughs> I <laughs> cannot yeah, find incredible. him anywhere. Really? No. Uh, There's these uh, Instagram fucking gamers or something like that. Yeah, I, I've been looking. I, I was thinking, was it a pseudonym and that you might be able to help is. me out with it? Yeah. Because oh, I, yeah. when I was watching that um, for the track we're on about, obviously, is the Hawthorne, I just thought of that amazing artwork for Song for the Sea. Yeah, and it, it does remind me of that. It also reminds me of the early Metallica artist, fucking, what's his name? Oh, Knucklehead, Skullhead. With like the, Rattlehead or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Jughead, yeah, yeah. is it Jughead? No, it's not Jughead. I can't remember. Pusshead. Pusshead, thank you. That's it. <laughs> I knew it was fucking something head, but yeah, he reminds me of that style, but instead mm-hmm. of going all skulls and heavy metal stuff, it's... Celtic and, and Neolithic. It's amazing, man. It is yeah, I amazing. love it. I love it. I, I can't wait to see what he's going to come up with now when we complete the new album. Because the new album has some te- a lot of themes around paganism, but also there's a lot of criticism of the whole mother and baby thing in Ireland. So, Well, that's good to hear, man. That's, that's actually fresh enough uh, in, yeah. in everybody's memory. Exactly. Now, I, it affected me. I, I wrote a couple, of, like the Hawthorne is kind of in a way mentions that I know it's set in the 1700s, but it's still a woman giving up her child yes. forced by the cat, by the church to give up her child. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that. So I can't wait to, to see what he does on the new album. Uh, I've, also, I've also got my daughter working on a single cover when it, when we decide what songs will be released. My daughter's an amazing artist as well. So wow. how old is she? Kate? Nepotism there. Uh, she's 21. Okay. Very good, man. Cool. And is she studying art? She's yeah. just a- no, she's in um, Ballyferm at college studying illustration. She's got two pieces of art published and published books already. Like she's, she's, she's there, you know, it's happening for her. She's amazing. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I my friend. I tell you, I tell you. <laughs> Fair play. So I want to play uh, one of my own favorite tracks here, and it's uh, Pagan Hate. Cool. So it is. God, I haven't heard this in years.
I'm hearing Celtic Frost there, man. Yeah. One of my favorite bands. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. For years. That lyric there burned the church down to the ground. <laughs> Controversial. Yeah. How do songs like that translate live to, we'll say, um, newer Krukon fans? Um, or do you play them? Or absolutely. Is yeah. there always an argument in relation to a set list? Nah, not really. I mean, like our last album has songs just like that. Um, mm. What's it? Jesus. I can't remember my songs, but like the first couple of songs on the last album, Brian, Bur- not Brian Baru, Jesus, you O'Neill, yeah. the Earl of Tyrone is the name. Yeah, yeah. Of, I think the first song on the last album, and it's the same black metal blast beats, you name it. Um, but all our songs will have like something folky. Well, they won't actually. That's absolute bullshit. Um, like we've got some pure just black metal from yeah. start to finish, but they'll always have that Krukon vibe. If it's a black metal song from start to finish, there'll still be some sweeping violin or strings or yeah. something to Do make it sound. Do you think that's own... a, a big misconception about your band? Uh, they can't see past the folk. In Ireland, yeah. Yeah, there is. I think is. so in Ireland, yeah. definitely and, is and that's Ireland. probably probably to ignorance more than anything else, not, not knowing the band. Yeah. Well, one criticism I always have about the Irish scene, and it was the same 30 years ago, and it, it's still the same. There's a lot of... Um, resentment almost like oh look at them fucking doing well i'll ne- and, you know i'm guilty of that i'm guilty of this one like some of my good friends i love bumping into them on tours we have so much party time when we meet up alan avril i've known him for years mm. but primordial i've always been like fucking primordial <laughs> you, you know so i'm just as guilty of it they're yeah. an amazing band but 30 years ago when we we're starting off i purposely put into my head got it into my head i'm not gonna listen to them there, that's yeah. our competition. That goes okay. all out the window as you get older. It's like, yeah, just, of course it does, man. Oh, We're God, too old like, for that stuff. Absolutely. Mm. But I think that's there's still a lot of that. I still see a lot of that. I, I think, I don't know. I mean, we're not like trying to build a name for ourselves, releasing no. demos and, you know, no, no, trying, know. trying to get yeah, a big I mean, break. So. And that's why I wanted you to come on the show, man. And let's hear that side of you as well. That's like Celtic <laughs> Frost, man. Just so fucking great. And it's it's a different element to ye that people aren't expecting. And mm. I think also there's a misconception as well about ye that ye sing songs in Irish. Right. Well, that's an interesting one because we don't. Because you don't, you know, obviously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a couple of song titles in Irish. But I mean, our first album, Two and a Gale, came out in 1995, and it was groundbreaking. It, there was nothing like it ever made. And I'm saying that without any fucking ego. There, were, there just was nothing like that album when it came mm. out. Blast beats, black metal, fiddles, flutes, diddly eye, ill on pipes. The world had never seen anything like this before. Um, and we broke up soon after that, the whole Century Media thing. Broke up, a few years passed by, we got back together, and we released The Middle Kingdom. And you couldn't have asked for two completely different yeah. albums. Like we dropped the extreme black metal vocals. We got a female singer in uh, and there's very little extremity on that. I mean, you're talking up to about Metallica level of heaviness. Mm. Then over the years, we kind of got a little ba- bit of that edge back in the folklore album, seen a little bit of black metal creeping back in. Uh, Pagan was a disaster of an album, but there's still a lot of black metal in there. And the Morrigan's called definitely we were coming back. Then Karen left the band. That's when I kind of thought, well, let's not replace Karen. Let's actually just go full tilt with this. So when Karen left, we released Blood on the Black Probe, Blood for the Blood God, Nine Years of Blood, the Blood Trilogy, as we call yes. it. 
Mm. And that's the, that's where we see Kuro. That's when we see Kurokan just like we up to then we've been touring the world. We've been fucking play, playing shows all over. But with that trilogy, we just seen the band profile skyrocket. We were being asked to play main stages in Hellfest, Brutal Assault, 7,000 yeah. tons of metal. Festivals like that we never got a look in in, in the 10 years previous. Mm. So that extremity is right there on the last three albums. Like it, there's blast beats, extreme black metal is, is the order of the day yeah. on all the Kruokon stuff. But it's like Cradle of Filth and Dimu Borgir. They have a reputation of being almost kiddie metal. And I, again, I bought into that with Cradle of Filth. I love their earlier albums. Stopped listening to them. Heard a lot of people saying, oh, only the kids are into them. So I kind of thought over the years, well, they must have went really shit. Like, you know, <laughs> Nightwish or something like that. Then I listened to those albums. I wasn't listening to them going, this is as extreme black metal as the earlier stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> Kitty metal. So I, I I don't really know. I don't know how it works or why people have these preconceptions or perceptions of bands. Without yeah. Um, and uh, and I give a big shout out to Cormona there mm. uh, from Cork who do a fantastic job in yeah. the Irish language. And Your new album is amazing. Or the, 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 it is fantastic, man. Yeah. It's classic. Because your audience is international, it's important for you to have English lyrics so they mm. understand what you're singing about. That is basically yeah. the most important thing for you in relation to that, correct? Yeah, plus I can't speak Irish, so that's, that's that out the window. I mean, I like having one or two songs in Irish, just the odd song title here or there, but I think in our history, we've probably had two song titles in Irish mm. ever. I'm and an album title wrong. as well. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair enough, actually. <laughs> I'll just throw this out to you. Um, other Voices. Do you know what I'm on about? Yeah. Is that the collaboration type of thing? Yeah, the TV show. It's it's down in oh, churches yeah, yeah, and yeah. in Dingle. And imagine he being approached to do something like that. I think he would excel. Yeah. I honestly don't know what it is. <laughs> Basically, it's um, the setting is in a church. Mm. Okay. And it's acoustic. And, you know, a lot of bands that would traditionally be electric would play acoustic in the church. Oh, wow. Yeah. And their songs in front of a live audience as well. And I always thought with G, that would be just such a really nice thing. It would have been do. something we would have struggled with. But last year when we did the tour show on 70,000 Tons of Metal, excuse me, it was an Irish pub night. So we learned a fuckload of ballads. No way. And like we pulled it off so well. We were voted in the top 10 concerts that took place on 70,000 tons of metal 2020. The Cruacon pub gig was voted <laughs> in the top 10. It was fucking bananas. People. The, and was the, this not, this wasn't planned or was it? Planned? Oh, it was absolutely planned. And oh, it was okay. in the, Sorry, in the program. Right, yeah. So we okay. had our two main shows. Cruacon play on this night and they play on this night. Also, they're doing an Irish pub night. And people are like, what the fuck? Eluetti had done one about two or three years previously, and it, it was not an Irish pub night. They were just playing a few jigs and reels. There was no atmosphere, but they're from Switzerland, so you wouldn't expect yeah, yeah. it to be atmosphere. <laughs> That's a joke. So we, we were like, Jesus Christ, we would do an epic fucking ballad night. So we did an hour, hour and a half of Come Out Your Black and Tans, The Fields of Atten Rye. The pub was packed out in the promenade, was twice as many in the pub, and there's videos on YouTube, actually. I'm not telling you a word of a lie. Everybody was singing, come out, you black and tan. We were like, is this real life? Like, this is unbelievable. They were singing along for like so many of the, the mm. sets. So, yeah, 
that's going to be a feature now, not a feature, but it's definitely something we can do if there's an acoustic type of thing. So what you're saying there, it sounds like we could just slot right in. And a lot of Cruelcon stuff translates perfectly into yes. acoustic versions. Yeah. Uh, we, we did a couple on that, like the Hawthorne works great as an acoustic song. Of course it does, yeah. yeah. So it's just something there that I, I wanted to throw your way, you know, maybe just take over the Grand Social some night and Crewcon acoustic. Yeah, Where you go, been, man, and film it and get the right people into film it, get the right people into light yeah. it. But I, again, that's like a cost. I don't know how that works or, you know. That kind it's, of a- it's something that we, I'd like, I want to do and I know the guys in the band want to do. Like, we love doing, we, we'll play an Irish gig once a year and we make it as big an event as we can. Like the mm-hmm. 25th anniversary, we packed out, sold out the button factory. We had Skyclad come over from England to play with uh, us. Skyclad, there's uh, a blast from the past, yeah. man. Uh, and they're still going strong. Are they really? Oh my God, really. Just And you know, when Cruelcon were a little tiny band, Skyclad were at their peak. And just yeah. strange that over the years, it's, it's changed like that. We're now the bigger band and Skyclad, for whatever reason, have just kind of dropped off the radar, but they've never left. They brought out an album about two or three years ago. I was which, just going to ask her to still releasing albums, yeah? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great band, man. Jesus. Oh, unbelievable. Steve Ramsey, the guitarist, like the, the heart and soul of the band. He's like the equivalent of me in Cruelcon is Steve Ramsey. Fucking incredible guy, like hanging out with them. We've become really, really close friends. There's a video on YouTube where we got them up on stage in Malpaga Festival in Spain. And it's Cruelcon and Skyclad United, the creators of folk metal together. <laughs> and we're all singing right on. Like it was, like I, I know it sounds so cringy and cliche, but it was magical. I yeah. fucking loved it. Loved it. What was the band from Northern Ireland that came after you as well? Was it Waylander? Waylander, it? yeah. They're still yeah. going. Really good mates as well. Kieran from Waylander. I've known him as long as the bands are going. But they're mm. still going. We, we get them to play with us as often as we can. Uh, they're coming down to Crua Fest, so... Okay, um, tell us about Crua Fest for those that don't know. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. Like, we always tried to do a big event, and that 25th anniversary show was fucking huge. Like, and we, we want to do better again. Last The last gig we did, we had a ton of guest vocalists. We had, like, um, contemporary dance on stage. It was just fucking amazing. So, like, we want to go one better. Now, here's one big thing. The Button Factory, when we were booking Crew of Fest, which was early last year before the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. the Button Factory decided to increase their rental price by nearly a thousand quid. Could have been more. And I was like, well, no, I'm not booking yeah. the Button Factory. Like, you're mm-hmm. adding what, nearly a 40% increase here. So, spoke to Dave O'Reilly in the Grand Social. Uh, I seen DME. DME would- it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. DME were putting on a ton of uh, shows there, and it's a great venue. It is a bit smaller than a button factory, okay. but they're 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 not raping me, so yeah, it's great. And it's it's central. It's a lovely venue, and it's run by fucking great people. So we said, let's do Crew Fest in the Grand Social, and um, oh. got a load of Irish bands. The plan was to start like almost like a festival to have a kickoff three o'clock in the day, two o'clock in the day, and uh, make a party of it. And then COVID-19, and we've rescheduled mm. like three or four times. And here's a funny story. We'd sold a load of tickets on the second reschedule, and I forgot to change the date on Eventbrite. And people didn't like contact me to say, hey, is this gig happening? Yeah. And then the gig date came and went, and then I got a fuckload of money coming from Eventbrite. Oh, I'm like, no. oh, I forgot to change the date. 
<laughs> so yeah, nobody, nobody cared. You know, the people that cared had already asked for the refunds. The people that had paid all got a refund anyway, and they just thought. So oh, what's the current um, lineup? Can you share anything in oh, relation yeah. to? Yeah, no, because <laughs> there've been so many changes. I know Zora are still playing. Waylander are still playing. Okay, which, cool. Which kicker? Which is a band, an all-female. I know which band. kicker. Yeah. They, they were off based on the rescheduled date. Now it's they're back in. Uh, God alone, bringing those lads up. Oh, are they, they actually are. part of it as well? Yes, they wow. are. Great. I think they're fucking brilliant. They're outstanding, they are an yeah. Amazing band. So got in touch with the guys. And they're big Cruelcon fans. They were always being at Cruelcon shows. Fucking, uh, fucking. Okay, of course they are. They're always there at the that's front, my, man. Fair that's my impression of a teenager, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I said, look, lads, we're, yous are fucking great. You want to do this? And they're up for it. Um, who else? Celticore. I'm not sure what's going to happen there because I know Dave was saying they haven't rehearsed, but I think it's just a pandemic. Like it's not like they're breaking up or anything like that. But they've got some lineup changes that happened. And, and when is this now? It's been pushed to November. You're saying is it? That's the plan. Yeah. Okay. Like I literally messaged Dave today just to try lock down the new date because we need to. And there is still tickets there. Yeah, I mean you can go to Eventbrite right okay. now. The the date is Jesus. like the thirteenth of August, but it's just not realistic. We might, you know, that might happen. That might happen. A full gig. 50-50. But it might not. It's 50-50. Yeah. But it's looking like November. Like Electric Picnic is rescheduled to September and they're confident it'll be a full electric picnic. And I'm like, well, fuck that. November is definitely going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, touch wood. And what about your favorite things about touring, man? I know it's, I think you have plenty of time now to reflect on, on that. Obviously, the traveling Pain they are sometimes, you know. Mm. Um, I saw your nightmare situation over in, uh, was it Ukraine? Yeah, Carpathian Alliance. Oh, anybody that hasn't seen it, watch it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's not often a band would make a video about a bad experience because other festivals <sighs> will watch that and say, well, fuck you, Crocon. But yeah. I tend to put up vlogs of everything that we do. Mm. And they're always positive. So I said, look, this is the second time this has happened to us and people won't believe this. Yeah. There's parts in that video I started recording after the like worst part where we arrived at the festival at one o'clock in the morning. They flew us into Poland because it was cheaper it drove us for fucking 12 or 15 hours through the night to save money. Then we arrive at the festival area. Everyone's asleep. The security, like military, Ukrainian, almost Soviet looking guards taking all our alcohol off us. We're like, where's the organizer? You actually, I would have fought him for that, man. Uh, yeah, sure, but, <laughs> You're yeah, so, so exhausted. Yeah, like, you don't know where's that. the organizer? What do we do? It was in a ski resort. So it was shut down during the summer. And they're putting on this metal festival. Where's the organizer? We started breaking into houses, thinking, can we sleep in this house here? Eventually, we resigned ourselves to sleep, to the possibility we're going to sleep in a field in the Carpathian Mountains where bears and wolves roam. Jesus We're going to sleep here. But eventually, we raised somebody who got us in. Mm. And then the next day, I started recording. And and man... Watch but, the videos all I'll say. Yeah, Carp- Cruelcon, Carpathian Lions. But yeah, the best thing about touring is playing festivals. So uh, I, I, this is, I'm going to sound very old man here, but touring as in being on the Nightliner and driving around Europe for a few weeks is a pain. It's And look, when you're younger, it's you dream of this, you aspire. It's like, oh my God, I, 
That's my dream. When you do it for a few years, it's a fucking nightmare. Like the last a few years ago, I said, we're not touring anymore. We're just doing festivals. Uh, and look, speaking completely obscene for one week in the tour bus, you'll get paid the same to do one hour in a festival. And look, I know it's not about the money, but sometimes no, it's no. like, yeah, it is. sometimes it's about the fucking money. And, and the comfort. <laughs> the comfort. They'll put me up in a hotel, the whole band in a nice hotel. They'll fucking fly us there and they'll pay us money and we'll play a festival. And then we we'll hang out at the festival. Mm-hmm. It's a dream. Whereas when you're touring, doing the club gigs, you're, in a tour, oh, it's a fucking nightmare. But having said that, you're all you're all working people as well. And that's it. So we need to pick and choose what we're doing, and that's why I yeah. said, look, we're not going to tour. But if things present themselves, so the last tour we did was a tour of Scandinavia about three years ago, and that was brilliant. You know, we spent I think it was only about six days driving around mm. uh, Norway and and Sweden and so on over to Denmark, and that was brilliant. So we'll pick and choose our tours. Uh, but even even on that, I remember I got in my bunk, the coffins, and I woke up in the middle of the night. It had to be me with a fucking drip, drip of this fucking cold. It was all the condensation of everyone's breath <laughs> gathering in one area in a dip. So I had every person's breath dripping on me. I was like, I fucking, I can't do this. This is disgusting. But that was the only really bad thing on that tour. Mm. But playing festivals is just, it's a dream. It's, it's yeah. why I'm still doing it. Like yeah. the likes of 70,000 tons of metal. I mean, okay, fair enough. That's an exception, mm. but we've done that twice. And man, oh man, like it, it's incredible. You're on a cruise ship. You're hanging out with some of the best bands in the world. You're playing gigs. People are partying. It's incredible. Yeah. Playing the likes of Hellfest. Like Hellfest, we were in a, one of those. Where did you play Hellfest? What stage did you play? Uh, one of the tents, so they okay. hold ten, ten War zone people. or one of those ones, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, but we played early enough in the day, and we we packed the entire tent out. Ten thousand people. It was fucking unreal. Mm. Uh, brutal assault. We played on the brutal the, the, the assault is here. awesome, man. I tell you, that is my favorite festival on dry land it, really i love yeah. it I we only got to experience it. it once man and then it was cancelled and then it was cancelled again this year so we saw yeah. primordial played the, actually the year when we were there right yeah oh it's incredible i have a couple of videos on my youtube of that as well that the, the year we played there danzig were headlining which oh, class man i mean i'm not a big danzig fan but it's just but like still- Danzig. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's been some kind of horror stories. Like the earlier years, we would tour in Russia every single year. Like we would tour mm-hmm. Russia more than any Irish band. We toured Russia more than U2, for example. And the, the stories, we just don't have enough time to go into mm-hmm. the experiences, the Russian mafia, the AK-47s in their faces, fucking turning up at communist communes, being told not to speak English. And just fucking riffing stuff that's popping into my head here. Uh, meeting Spetsnaz soldiers. Oh my fucking God. The last tour we did of Russia was so recent. It was around the time Russia was invading Ukraine. Okay, um, yeah. Okay. And to this day, Russia never invaded Ukraine. It was um, uh, separatists and, and mercenaries and stuff like that. Well, if Sky News were on the train, we were on during our Russian tour with some of the Russian military generals. They would have had quite the scoop. <laughs> let's let's just put it that way. Yeah, we've had some fucking crazy experiences in, in Russia over you, the years. You also got to play Israel. Is that true? Israel was mad fucking hell. I mean, like people's opinion on, on Israel is what it is. 
but in Ireland, it's multiplied by fucking 10. So mm. we had all of the uh, anti-Israel. I mean, I'm not anti-Israel, but I'm certainly not fucking anti-Palestine. Like, yeah. I, I definitely understand their plight and the Israeli army is completely ridiculous and horrendous the way of fucking the, the offensive that they do. But I didn't really know much about the situation. So I had all of these guys on that side were like, you fucking, if you play Israel, you support murdering fucking innocent babies. I'm like, well, yeah. I don't support murdering babies. What are they talking about? So I checked it out. I, I fucking found out what was going on. But they were so intimidating. They fucking were bombarding our Facebook page with videos of videos and videos of people being beaten by the Israeli defense forces. Mm. I checked it all out and half those videos were fake or they were fucking uh, misinterpreted. I had a band on from Israel called Syntax. I guarantee you those lads were at your show. I guarantee you Probably 100%. Were. But the, the story with that is that we were, I, I was ready to cancel. I said, look, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know enough about this situation. I'm, and what way was your flights? Was it just into Israel and that was it? Or had you kind of coincided with another few areas no, it was around straight, it? it was, yeah, so... Okay. So we were ready to cancel. Uh, as it turned out, I remember distinctly getting an email from a girl, a kid called Shelly, and I think she was 14. So she was the same age as my daughter, okay. 14 or 15 or 16. So that tells you how many years ago it was. My daughter's 21. And she was like, please don't cancel because word was getting out. We're probably going to cancel. We're getting a lot of fucking uh, pressure in Ireland. Mm. And she was like, please don't cancel. Me and my dad have been waiting years for to see Cruelcon live. And I, I remember there and then saying, there's no fucking way I'm cancelling. This is a 14-year-old girl looking forward to seeing Cruelcon. How can you politicize a 14-year-old girl? So I actually put that on our Facebook post. Look, we're not cancelling our show. We're going to play music. It's about music. It's not about fucking politics. And they were saying, you know, it's a cultural boycott. You know, what the fuck? Then they started saying this girl was a creation of the Israeli embassy in Ireland, that she didn't exist. I was oh, like, wow, this is insane. So in the end, we flew over. We we did the fucking gig. She came. She was like a hero because this news got out. To, Israel are constantly having people cancel and been told they're, they're yeah. cunts. So when a band comes over, like, oh, thank God, you know, at least someone doesn't think we're a cunt. And she arrived into the gig and I was like, hey, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, and then she was brought over and like, oh, Shelly, we took a photo yeah. and so on. But the ironic, frustrating thing that pissed me off so much was um, not only were there Muslims at the gig and, and Israeli Arabs at the gig, there were two people from Gaza that were, for whatever reason, they were in fucking Tel Aviv and they didn't have to go back that night and they were at our gig. And we were physically talking to them. People were saying, no, there wasn't two people from Gaza at your gig. I'm like, I was fucking talking to them. Yeah. No, there wasn't. People from Gaza are not allowed to socialize with Jews. Yeah. They're not allowed. I'm yeah. like, unless they were acting, which let's be no. honest, that could be a possibility, but I don't believe it for this for one second. And all that gig was, was Jews, Muslims, fucking Christians, pagans, Wiccans. And we were all just rocking out, having a good time. We left. The, we, we had a flight at like 4 a.m. We flew in, we did the gig, we flew home. We wow. didn't, and we, wow. we, we made sure we didn't get paid. The fee that we were offered, we didn't take because, again, the anti Israel, pro Palestinian people, again, pro Palestinian, you know what I mean? Like, yep. the real hardcore were saying, oh, you're taking money from the Jewish state that, you know, mm. that are oppressed. And I said, well, are we? No, we're not. So we canceled, we, did, we waived our fee. We didn't fucking get paid. It cost them a lot for flights, fair enough, but like, Flights are flights. Yeah. 
so yeah, that was Israel. It was a fucking bizarre, bizarre whole fucking experience. But as I said at the time, it's not about the politics. We were just fucking playing music. I don't support the way the Israeli army treat fucking of Palestinians. Course, man. I know. Yeah. I mean, look, Madness. every artist that has to book a tour in and out of there, there's plenty that do it and plenty that don't, you know mm. I mean? But ultimately when music and politics are pushed together, they're going to repel each other. Um, yeah. They should never, should never happen, man. Yeah. You know no, I, mean? I didn't like, it. I didn't like the treatment that we got here in Ireland from, and, and still, like, I remember maybe two years after that, the, you know, the journal, the news app on your phone? I do, yeah, of course. They I did do, an yeah. interview with Cruacon, um, really good interview. And I remember the comments, oh, yeah, but you'll go to fucking Israel and support murdering babies. I'm like, Fuck's what sake. the fuck? Like, yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, and... Listen, man, you've toured everywhere around the world. You've, you've, you've hit Chile as well and other far-flung places. Um, any places that you'd love to go back to? Um, everywhere. Like, let's be honest. Even, like, Ukraine. Did you get to America, for example? No, we've never. I mean, technically, 70,000 tons of metal is Florida. Florida, but yeah. It's, out, it's international waters, so... Yeah. We don't need to go through that visa nightmare. Mm. No, we've never played the US, which is, excuse me, a bit of a pain because we've, over the last 10 years, we've developed such a fucking fan base there. Yeah. So yeah. hoping it will change. Now, having said that, we were asked to go on tour supporting Arcona two years ago in, in the US, a two-month tour of the United States, Kruikon mm. and Arcona, and it's just, it's not it's a possibility. Not feasible, no. We've all got day jobs. Even yeah. last year or the year, around that time, um, Ailstorm asked us oh, to support okay, them yeah. on their European tour. Like we, us and Ailstorm are good mates. We get on so fucking well. But even that, that would have been a dream, a month tour of, of Europe with Ailstorm. Some session. Just, we can't do it. Like I'm, I'm locked down to 25 vacation days a year yeah. because of my day job. Yeah. yeah. Everyone else is the same. Yeah. And look, you know, it would have been a different outcome. I think if you did go full time with it, um, fuck knows. There's a lot of, a lot of people ended up on the ditch because of it, man. Absolutely. Unfortunately, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I look at when Ailstorm started and not even Ailstorm, Eluete, like they fucking, like they became one of the, huge folk metal bands in the world biggest folk metal bands in the world but i remember them starting and speaking to christa christopher chris in the band um like they were borderline homeless some of them while they were you know building yeah. the band and and you know creating the success that they have but they went for a full full, full steam ahead just like ailstorm and it's all working out now they're mm. all fucking very super successful yeah, you know, some some people, then there's the casualties as well on the other side of it. You know, hit the drink, hit the drugs. Um, the temptation is there, man. It's nah, there. Like, I'm not going to say which band, but, well, it's not Ailstorm, but I've seen some of these bands from the early days when they were supporting Cruacon, when they were sending me letters like, oh, Cruacon are my favorite band. And then suddenly they're a bigger band than Cruacon. Yeah. We'd meet them over the years. Lovely people, lovely people. Mm. Now I don't see that guy without a hanging out of a bottle of vodka every time, like fucking yeah. the drink. The drink r really affects people when they're on tour. When you're touring for four, five, six months of the year, there's so much boredom on that tour bus. Like there's so much boredom. That's why I don't, I don't think it's even 
realize probably how endemic it is, if that's the right word. Yeah. People become massively dependent on alcohol. Uh, like it's a big fucking problem. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen people change. Like I'm doing this t- for just t- almost 30 years. Mm. I'm touring since the year 2000. And yeah. my God, I've seen people change and just go downhill fucking countless times. Yeah. yeah. Not everyone, in fairness, it's not the majority, but it's that, that it, small It has percentage. to be acknowledged. If you're doing this full time as a full time musician, there's an awful lot of stuff there, props that would keep you up that mm. are just eating away at your soul, Absolutely. man. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. There's another thing, actually, I just want to just bring up before we uh, come to an end there. Your perception of folk metal music. Okay. Mm. Um, my perception of it with G it's, it's coming from a sad place. Um, you certainly write it telling stories, their traditional stories, there's heritage there. Um, it certainly isn't coming from a happy place, but there has been a change over the last maybe 10, 15 years where folk metal music is fucking happy drinking. Mm. What's your own opinions on that? Um, you've pretty much mirrored exactly what I've said. And I've said this for fucking years in interviews. So when Cruelcon started, you're talking 1992. Like I was a fucking, I wasn't even a teenager, but I was obsessed <laughs> with metal, obsessed with fucking yeah. Celtic history mm. and Irish history. Um, that's when it all started. I started writing the songs around 14, 15 years old. And I, folk metal didn't exist as a thing. Skyclad's first album was out, but that had one folk metal song that you consider folk metal was on there. So it wasn't even a thing. There was no rules. There was no, no one to look at. And at, as, at that age, I remember, I can still remember thinking folk music is something that only exists in Ireland. Other countries don't have it. So that's my 14, 15-year-old brain at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started writing songs. Uh, the years progressed and I kept writing songs. And then the folk metal explosion of the early noughties uh, with Fintroll and these kind yes. of funnier kind of uh, stuff. They're not so much Fintroll, uh, Corpaclani more so. It's all drinking and partying and this is folk metal and everyone, this is what folk metal is. I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm around nearly 10 years before you guys and no way, folk metal isn't partying and this yeah. kind of shit. It was a whole drink culture as well, yeah. wasn't it? And fists I- in the air and... And there's a lot of reasons why that is. I mean, Irish folk music is sad, melancholy, and weird. We're the ones. We're, we're the one country that had a major folk music, folk revival in the '60s, in the '50s and the '60s. Folk became popular. Mm. Um, it didn't across Europe in the '50s, '60s, '70s, and '80s. So yeah, we, we, point, yeah. we grew up in the eighties. We hear folk music on ads on the telly. It's what our dads listened to because was, they yeah. got into it. And we think like, Steve feast of yeah. Irish folk, man. I know. And we're we're grown up yeah. kind of going, this is shit. This is what my dad <laughs> yeah. listens to. But Europe didn't get that. That's why they went. And that's why I always thought that was something that affected Cruelcon because of that revival in the fifties and sixties, our parents listened to folk music when we were kids in the eighties and nineties. We were like, well, that's my parents' music. Cruelcon mm-hmm. are playing parents' music. I don't like it. That didn't happen throughout Europe. But when folk music started having different revivals throughout Europe, it was it went different ways. Uh, around the Baltics, Eastern Europe, it's a very pagan kind of where Wardruna come from, even though they're Scandinavian. That kind of tribalistic, shamanistic kind mm. of stuff did come out. But the folk metal explosion just focused on the, the drinking side. 
And Viking metal had a lot to do with that. Ah, I think it has. Yes. Good so point. Yeah. Viking metal comes on the scene. They've no distinct recorded music that they can actually immediately prey on. Like there's no real records of, of what Vikings listen to. Whereas Ireland with their fucking druids and their word of mouth and their history and the, mm. the Christians for all the wrong they did to the country. I, <laughs> they wrote our, our fucking history and mythology down. So we have music. We, we've, we know what music sounded like in the 1600s, for example, the Brian Bruce March and all that kind of stuff. Viking metal didn't have that. So they invented their own almost sea shanty. Hip, to do yes. Because when we're Viking, I'm on the sea. Hip, to do, to yeah. And I think it just progressed and progressed. Then you have bands like Ailstorm, who I love, but that's where that folk metal fucking crazy madness came from. I yeah. think it must have come back from the creation of Viking metal. No clear, distinct Viking music to prey on. Let's go for the sea shanty stuff. Mm. The, rest is, the rest must be history. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's very, yeah, you're right, actually. It's interesting to hear that point of view. I mean, as I said, yeah, we like our history is steeped in, in folk and um, telling tales like, you know, Sadness and melancholy. Yeah. Like our Shano singers and fucking even the our Yellen happy pipes, songs. I mean, how are they fucking happy? <laughs> but, and even when a song might sound happy, like fucking the washer, the old washer woman, she's probably going to get killed at some point in the fucking song. A wheel a while, if there was no woman, she lived in the woods, happy, happy, happy. They're fucking dead. She killed the baby with a fucking penknife. Like, yeah. Yeah. So even, even our happiest songs will probably involve death of some kind. <laughs> mm. Do you know what? I'm going to play Hawthorne there because, I mean, it, it sums it up beautifully, I think. And um, we'll just Thank have you. a listen to this before we end the show. Cheers.
The images there that it conjures up, especially through the lyrics, um, the shepherd tends his flock, Keith. There's obviously significance in that. Um, can you delve yeah. into it a small bit? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always written kind of anti-church songs throughout the, mm. the history of the band, like um, the song Pagan is probably a prime example. Yes. Um, and one of the kind of vibes I wanted on the new album was the peasant class of like the 1700s in Ireland. It was a very interesting time. They were very Catholic, but they also held on to so many pagan traditions and customs and beliefs. So there was a lot of oppression. The the rule of the English landlord, is it, we've read about it in our history books. We know what, what life was like for them in this period. Uh, they went through famines long before the famous famine. Um, so this, the, the kind of protagonist in the story, and this is why I said earlier, kind of, it's reminiscent of the mother and baby home story. I wrote this before that really became so prominent in the news, but it definitely reflects, and I mentioned that in other songs. So she's lost her baby. We don't know why. Uh, in the video, you'll see she's, she's walking with the baby. It's clearly dead. And it says later on, um, I'm trying to remember the words. Christ shall not receive this soul. The shepherd tends his flock into the ground, into the earth, among the hawthorn. Oh, life brings life. Death brings life to the, the shepherd and his flock. So what she's doing is she's lost her baby. We don't know why. It's not lost in childbirth because it's, it's, it's a few months old. And, uh, it could be lost in childbirth, but she's not having a Catholic burial. She's bringing this baby to the Hawthorn in her mind deeply religious girl deeply Catholic girl if she brings this to Hawthorn the fairy Hawthorn he'll go to the other world be that Tirnanog or just the middle kingdom whatever and, and the baby will be reborn in the afterlife she's not given it to the church she's had enough and the shepherd is he of significance in in that lyric yeah the shepherd is the church but the shepherd is the church. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. and you'll, you'll see it on the music video. There's a the shepherd is there and he's kissing the cross. All this kind of stuff. Ah, very good. Excellent stuff, man. Listen, um, is there anything else you want to put out to your fans and new fans that are listening to your band as well? You've got a new album. You've got a great lineup. Again, yes, it's, I need it's... to tell them. Yeah, come on. I own an official Nimbus 2000 from Harry Potter. <laughs> That's all that I have in. to say. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, man, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks a million. Yeah, it's been great chatting with you, Richie. It's been too long since I, we spoke about this like two or three years ago and it never actually happened. Back down so. in Cork, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking rebels. Yes, so you've been listening to Keith Fave CrewCon and listen, they have some exciting stuff coming. Keep an eye on your Facebook and Instagram, I suppose, is the easiest please way. Please do, yeah, please do. And... Um, Continued success, man. Thank you, Richie. Same to you. Yeah. Cheers, man. Uh, you've been listening to Rich from the Metal Cell Podcast. Hit that subscribe button if you like the show and uh, support Irish Metal. <laughs>